Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Life Coach and Certified Grief Recovery Specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 14, You Aren't Crazy. First, I want to say thank you, thank you to all of you who have left reviews in iTunes uh, podcasts. And if you aren't on Apple, that's okay too. I, I love you as well. But I want to share a beautiful review by Mother of Six Girls. She says, your podcasts are full of such powerful tools and insight into dealing with all kinds of grief, loss, disappointment, frustration, and direction to build a happier, more peaceful, intentional life. Thank you so much for helping all of us. Thank you so much, Mother of Six Girls. I so appreciate your review. I appreciate your kind words and your thoughtful comments. And it makes me feel good to think that you think that what I'm sharing is worthwhile and provides powerful tools. So that's, that's super exciting to me. So thank you. Thank you so much. Also, I want to invite you all to go to my Facebook page, Build a Life After Loss. On there, I announce the podcast episodes and I also announce local grief recovery method support groups that I lead in Salt Lake City. And there's other conversations and inspirations as well. It's a brand new Facebook page. We're just getting started. So I wanted to invite you so that you could have another place to join us. Today, we're going to talk about why we feel crazy in our grief and why it's perfectly okay. This this title actually came from an online conversation that I had with Brandy Dayton. She's an artist, artist friend who lost her son three years ago. And that's actually how I met her online was she was offering a free art class that was called A Thing Called Love. It was a free class that she offered and it was dedicated to her son and to her loss, but especially for the love that she had for her son. So on this online conversation that we had, she said that she told me, we need to know that we aren't crazy and what's normal and that we will one day be okay. And that's exactly why we're here. That's exactly why we're having these discussions is because because I do want you to know you aren't crazy. And I do want you to know that grief is normal and natural. And I do especially want you to know that one day you'll be okay. I wanted to remind you of a quote from the Grief Recovery Institute that I quoted last week about overcoming grief. They said, you can't go over, under, or around it. You must go through it, which is exactly the case. And that is why we sometimes feel crazy. After the accident that claimed Carrie and David, we went as a family to visit a therapist. And I remember him telling my husband, Ron and me, that we could expect to have some crazy thoughts. And good thing he did, because we were already having crazy thoughts. It's super easy to think you're crazy when you're having crazy thoughts, right? But I've heard it said that if you know you're having crazy thoughts, you probably aren't crazy. So that's comforting. Dr. Janelle Phillips said, Underneath grief are neurological changes that take place in the brain. There can be a disruption in hormones that results in specific symptoms, such as disturbed sleep, loss of appetite, fatigue, and anxiety. These type of symptoms, 
if you're not sleeping well, if you're not eating well, if you feel tired, if you're feeling anxious or depressed, these obviously have consequences in the way that you feel and those feelings of, of not being quite right. I loved what Dr. Robert Berzin in Psychology Today said about grief and antidepressants. He said, keep in mind that antidepressants should never be prescribed for grief. And he emphasized never. He said, they inhibit mourning. They numb out feeling and harden the personality. He said, I've treated many patients who had been on antidepressants for years and years after death. It wasn't until they got off of them that they were able to mourn and feel and come back to the world of the living. This is what it is to be human. Grief is not a brain problem, but part of the human condition. In another article, Barbara Fain said, simply put, grief is an extremely emotional experience. It also does a number on your brain. So what she's saying is there's actual changes in your brain when you're mourning. She went on to say, when you begin the process of mourning, most of your mental attention is directed toward it. Your mind is consumed with disbelief and the struggle to accept your new reality. Your cognitive responses slow and become muddled. Your right mind seems to suddenly go left. There is scientific basis for what you're experiencing. Research shows that mental tasks are deeply affected in many people in the early stages of grief. Barbara Fain's explanation is a lot of the reason why we feel crazy, because our brain is consumed. Our mind is consumed with the struggle, with the disbelief, with the acceptance of the new reality. We kind of talked about this before. If you visualize your brain as a, a box and then you fill that box with grief, there's not a lot of room left for all of the other day-to-day things that we're expected to do. And this is what causes the confusion and the muddled thinking and so forth. Barbara went on to talk about some symptoms that we can experience in grief, like lack of concentration or, or not being able to finish a task or having our memory affected, the lack of ability to make simple decisions. Even organization and planning is challenging and we feel absent-minded a lot and this can persist. She says, your brain is trying to recover. You are experiencing a deep biological response to your loss. Just as you are experiencing physical, psychological, and emotional responses, hormones and chemicals are released. Internal reactions are disrupted. Important bodily systems shift into emergency mode, and it all starts in the brain. There's a great video, I think it was from CBS News, about grief and its effect on the brain, and I'll I'll add that to the Facebook page so you can see that. In that video, they talked about We often talk about it as being heartbroken, but we could also refer to it as being brain broken. They said traumatized brain is bottom heavy. And what that means is that our primitive brain takes over and our higher brain is not functioning at a high level. It's functioning at a lower level. And this is why we feel crazy. So let's talk about some of the emotional symptoms that we experience when we're grieving that may cause us to feel out of control. I took these this list of symptoms from the Ashton's book that I told you about last week called Jesus Wept. She first talks about the avoidance patterns. 
This is what she said. Some of us use avoidance patterns to deny our grief. These are behaviors and attitudes that help us delay feeling pain. Avoidance patterns include purposely postponing, displacing, or minimizing the emotions or event. Some individuals become obsessed with shopping, working, eating, intellectualizing, traveling, exercising, crusading, or drugging their pain. How many of those things sound familiar? For me, it was watching TV, even exercise at one point became my avoidance tactic. I would play tennis and then I would go to the gym and I would go to the gym for two hours at a time. Um, Shopping is a common one where we, what we call retail therapy, right? Another emotional symptom that she referred to was depression. And we're probably all pretty familiar with that. This is what she said. Situational depression can be a reaction to a traumatic event and also a component of grief. It can be a result of the sadness and deep sorrow we have experienced. Depression can influence our thoughts, moods, and behaviors. When events seem beyond our control, the helplessness that follows often leads to depression. We may feel worried, overwhelmed, and anxious, which we're going to talk about anxiety in just a second too. But depression, she goes on to say, depression can also result when our anger is turned inward, when we blame ourselves, talk or think negative thoughts about ourselves, or keep all our feelings bottled up inside, we may find ourselves in a deep black hole of depression. So moving on to anxiety, often we hear that depression is looking back and anxiety is looking forward. So we have depression about the past, what's happened. We have anxiety about what's hap- what's coming up in our future. Depression is that funk that we feel like it's never going to go away. Mine had developed into a darkness that I could feel and see in my mind's eye. It was like a large, dark cloud that had taken over my body. Seriously, I could see it. I seriously could feel it to the extent that I was seeing it. So anxiety is a common symptom of loss as well. Joyce Ashton says, it could include the threat of losing love, security, self-esteem, integrity, control, or success. Our anxiety may manifest itself in a variety of behaviors. She said, I dove into overactivity. I used my busyness and doing tasks in an attempt to find relief from my grief. Through my overactivity, I was determined to make my life significant, meaningful, and productive in spite of my pain. All of this overactivity helped me cope as best I could. However, I eventually had to slow down to prevent exhaustion. If we stay in this overactive or avoidance mode for long periods of time, we may become stuck in the grief process, unable to totally resolve important issues because we are too busy. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Processing grief. We need time and space to process our grief. She goes on to say, even small challenges can seem more stressful after loss and during the grief process. Well, isn't this true? Haven't you found that just the simplest thing that you used to be able to handle on a daily basis becomes a crisis almost because your your brain is so busy with the grief that it just it's hard to handle anything above and beyond that. Another emotional symptom that she refers to is anger. And this is what she said. Anger is a common emotion when any loss and can indicate the beginning of healing and acceptance. Women 
often turn their anger inward, displaying less physical aggression than men. Men often manifest their anger openly. Unfortunately, anger repressed, ignored, shelved, or turned inward can lead to depression, confusion, and guilt. I think the interesting thing about anger is that it often feels justified. We feel justified in our anger. Just like talking about how our anxiety can heighten because small things become more difficult, small grievances become more of an irritation because of our grief. It can turn that much more easily into anger. Another really important emotional symptom is guilt. I think this one is so important to talk about because the reality is that guilt is actually reserved for people who meant harm. And we know that none of us meant any harm. And it's common for us to look back on the circumstances of our child's death or any other loss and find guilt in ourselves, find something that we could have done differently, found something that maybe we could have done to prevent or, or to prolong their life. We know that we never intended any harm at all. There should be no guilt, although I have to say it is hard not to have the guilt initially until we can start to really consider what guilt is and that Maybe our guilt is misplaced. This is what Joyce said about guilt. Guilt is another emotion that is common with any traumatic event or serious loss. For many, this is the most exhausting and difficult emotion to deal with. Feelings of guilt are often a combination of many different feelings rather than one simple feeling. It's a messy mixture of insecurity, self-doubt, self-condemnation, self-judgment, anxiety, and fear. In the grief recovery method, we teach that guilt is truly meant for those who intentionally meant harm. Joyce went on to say, unresolved guilt is not healthy, yet we are all guilty of making mistakes. To err is human. Feelings of regret and guilt need to be expressed. Then we can let go and forgive ourselves. She continues, in many instances, individuals are experiencing false guilt, which is blaming themselves for events and circumstances they they are not actually responsible for. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. False guilt, situations, events that we are not actually responsible for. The last emotional symptom that Joyce discusses in her book, Jesus Wept, is control issues. When we've experienced a major loss, it is natural to want to try to control things so that we can keep from losing more. Joyce said, loss often brings us to the realization that some situations and circumstances in our lives are beyond our control. Knowing that we have little or no control over some aspects of our lives can make us feel vulnerable and afraid. To compensate for this fear, we may attempt to over-control others, especially family members and those we feel concern and responsibility for. Okay, I think I said control issues was the last emotional symptom that Joyce mentioned, but actually it goes further than that. The next one is longing and yearning and searching. Joyce says, for many of us, this stage of grief lasts the longest. 
We miss our old life and how things used to be. Isn't that the truth? This can go on for for a very long time. She says, we may continue to ponder and ask why me. We may wish to resolve questions that at first seem to have no satisfying answers. These feelings are common responses to what has happened. We may yearn for the way we thought things could or should be. We may search for answers, yearning for hope and peace in our lives again. We may wonder if we will ever feel any better. We might conclude that we must be going crazy or doing something wrong to still be in so much emotional pain. These feelings can be very confusing and may last for a long time. The fear of something else going wrong can hang over us. Life just doesn't feel right anymore. During this time, anger, anxiety, and depression can become extremely intense. Everyone thinks we are better and we hate to admit that we're not. The last thing that I wanted to share from Joyce's book is a couple of things about recovery and the disorientation in our lives. Here's her thoughts. Functional recovery with severe losses may take additional years to achieve. Remember, we can never be the same again. This loss and experience has become part of who we are now and who we will become. Any traumatic event can cause disorientation and disorganization in our lives. We may not be able to concentrate as we have in the past. We may become forgetful and feel like we're in a fog. These are very familiar to anybody experiencing grief. This feeling of not being able to concentrate, of being forgetful, of feeling like we're in a fog is just the reality of grief. When she talks about never being the same again, I think this is so true. We will never be the same again, but that doesn't mean that there's not great opportunities and hope in front of us. I want to talk a little bit more about the confusion and the things that go on in our brain after a loss. I remember hearing that the left side of the brain shuts down in intense grief. And since grief is dealing with the emotional impact and the left brain is the logical center of our brain, it makes sense that all of our brain function is operating from the right side of the brain during grief, because that's where our emotions are. The scientific research suggests that it's the higher brain that is compromised during grief, and the lower brain takes over to a large extent. The lower brain is our automatic responses. It's our primitive brain. I remember feeling incapable of doing daily activities that I used to do without much thought, like cooking, grocery shopping, or paying the household bills. The act of organizing the mail or receipts or anything was beyond my comprehension. It was a bizarre feeling to not be able to handle the simplest of tasks. And if you're a person who feels very capable, to feel not capable is very disorienting. It's actually frightening. About four years after my loss, I asked my sister to show me her home files because I couldn't remember how I used to organize my papers. It's really weird to think, but I had to learn all over again how to take care of the day-to-day. Again, I want to remind you to be patient in the journey. Your kindness and love for yourself will aid you in your recovery, both emotionally and physically. The good news is we can recover. We can work through our grief and get to the other side. We can progress and thrive again. And as we learn and grow, we can get to the point in time where our higher brain is fully functioning again and is our ally again. Then we can start to realize that we have more and more control, not of the people 
and the circumstances around us, we never have control of that, but control over our responses to the people and the circumstances. That's where our power lies in knowing that our thoughts create our feelings and we can direct our thoughts. That's the best news yet. Again, I'll remind you to be your own best friend. Also, I want to remind you to visit buildalifeafterloss.com and schedule a complimentary discovery session with me. In that meeting, I'll get to learn more about you and you'll get to learn more about me and what I do to help mothers who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. Talk to you next week. Have a wonderful week.